1: Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this beautiful Friday morning, the first Friday in November, the last Friday of the time being normal. It will get weird on Sunday. Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you?
2: I'm good. Why, Why is that daylight savings? It's just adjusting to the daylight savings earlier in the year and you're going back, but we're not... I don't get it.
1: I don't know which one we're supposed to stay on. At some point, we're supposed to stay on one of these.
2: Was yeah, that hey, standard I,
1: time we just finished? Are we now on to daylight savings?
2: That's what I was trying to determine. Are we yeah, saving think, daylight? I think we're we saving
1: daylight because we then get more daylight in the morning.
2: We are because, wait, we're falling back. So let's say we go from it six becomes five.
1: Now Eight. would be 818. Yeah, exactly.
2: Right, right, right. Okay.
1: Yeah. I get it. So
2: as it gets darker, I'm glad I did this. I've never really thought this out because I didn't care. As it gets darker mm-hmm. through fall and winter, we move we are, the window. We are saving, we move the window so we save daylight. So it's, well, it, it's out,
1: saving so. daylight for morning people. For morning people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. it will
2: get dark. If it was six o'clock at night, it would get dark at five o'clock at night. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's true. That's true. So and, we're not uh,
2: saving daylight there. So you're not saving... Oh, okay. Let's forget it.
1: Yeah. I mean, come Sunday, it could <sighs> be uh, darker for you if you're a certain type of person. It could be lighter for you if it's, you're a certain type of person. And that is very similar to UCLA's situation heading into this Arizona game on Saturday.
2: Top 10 segue. Top 10. Wasn't that good? Yeah.
1: Uh, UCLA, uh, this is the third road game of the season against a quality opponent. Sorry about that, Stanford. I didn't mean it. Or San Diego State. You both are great. We love you. But you weren't good this year. We Arizona, do love you. but yeah. We do love you. Arizona is good. Uh, Arizona has a very good offense bordering on elite. Um, and the defense is not good. I think people who are saying it is good, um, it's not. It's not good. But it is worlds better than what it was last year when it was an absolute trash fest. Um, So this is a certifiable. I'm giving it the stamp of approval as a good team. And uh, UCLA is going to have to do something it hasn't done yet this year, which is beat a good team on the road. They're going to do it without Dante Moore throwing pick sixes more than likely, though. Ethan Garbers will be the starting quarterback. But something I realized when I was uh, writing my preview, Tracy, is that Dante Moore has actually thrown more college passes than Ethan Garber's. Sit with that for a second.
2: Mm, Yeah. He started more games.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, So anyway, uh, this is going to be a tough game. Um, We're going to drop a little story that you wrote later on today about this game and its importance, but... um, I, I. Jed Fish has uh, that program in pretty good shape right now. They've only lost three games this year, and each of those was by a single score. Uh, And they weren't—like, one was on the road at Mississippi State in overtime when Arizona's quarterback threw four interceptions. He's not their quarterback anymore. Uh, One was at home to current number 5 Washington by a single touchdown. And the other was a road game at current number 20 USC that Arizona— really should have won. Um, so this is a very good team, a team that has, uh, I think, improved as the season's gone along, and it's going to be a tough game.
2: Yeah, first I want to rewind just a little bit to ask you, is it just kind of a... Is it an artistic call on your point on what uh, determines a good team, or do you uh, it, do you have kind of more... Da- you have a data kind of qualification... Because sure. I agree, they're a good team. But I, I, you've been really good over the years of saying this is a good team. And no matter, this other team has a few little good things, but that's a bad team. But this yeah. is a good team.
1: Yeah, so the way I would say it is um, they have, uh, so in most kind of advanced stats rankings, they're like clearly and obviously top 40, um, which is like a good benchmark point for like this team can actually beat a decent team. Uh, And then you just have to look at results. Um, You know, they've they've played a lot of teams close. They've, and especially in the last four weeks since Noah Fafita took over at quarterback, they've been completely competitive with every good. So they've played, in the last four weeks, they've played number five, Washington, number 20, USC, then still top 25, Washington State, and number 11, Oregon State. It's been four straight ranked teams and that they've two, had to and play. And they're 2 and 2. They're 2 and 2, but the two losses reached by a single score and watching the USC game closely, they should have won that. Yep. Uh and then they blew out Washington State on the road, 44 to 6. Uh that was in Pullman. Um and then last week beating Oregon State, finished 27-24, it was 27-17. Uh and Oregon State scored a junk time touchdown. So this is a team that is has and is capable of going toe-to-toe with some really good ranked teams, a lot of teams that are comparable to what this UCLA team is. So good is relative. All these things are subjective. But um, I think the, the, the data is pretty clear at this point. They've played eight games, and um, this this is going to be a team that's very competitive with UCLA on Saturday. I,
2: I think the significant thing, too, is uh, Noah Fafita. Yeah. Because let's just... You can look at a team's schedule and draw a lot of conclusions, but um, I think it's more important to look at their most recent games. Yep. Like, can you really take that much from the fact that five games ago they barely beat Stanford?
1: No, and it was with Jaden Delora
2: still a quarterback. And that was my other point. It was with Jaden Delora. And first off, wait—you've done a lot of research. There's no—is ch- there any chance? <laughs> that Jed Fish goes with Jane Delora this weekend?
1: Uh, There's no chance he starts the game. Um, I would say, so this will be the best pass rush that Fafita has faced. If for some kind of unforeseen reason, he falters, I don't think Fish will be shy about putting Delora in the game. I think in his mind, they're relatively even, Um, but he's not going to walk away from the hot hand. Uh, Fafita, so just so everyone knows, Fafita's completing 76% of his passes. Uh, He's thrown 11 touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, All of his underlying statistics are very comparable, if not better, than Jaden Delora. Um, This isn't a case where like a backup has come in and played competent and you're like, oh, let's not change away from him. He's been better than Delora in a lot of ways. Um, So that's why he has kind of seized the job from him even though he originally came in in injury relief.
2: And if you watched Arizona under DeLora and then watched it under Fafita, it's really it's, erratic. It's Delora. just decision-making. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, there you DeLora will make a great play and then the next two you go, oh, wow.
1: And game by game, it's super inconsistent. He'll have an awesome game where he looks like an NFL player. And then he'll have a game where he like Mississippi State where he throws four interceptions and looks horrible doing it and for whatever reason won't run the ball by himself. He'll just kind of stand back there and take sacks. Uh, Fafita, you're not getting that oscillation in performance so far. He's he's been the same guy in every single game and that kind of consistency from the quarterback position. This offense is all about delivering short passes. It's all about consistency of short passing. Um, you know, the occasional intermediate pass, the occasional deep try, but it's a lot of consistency of short passing. It's a lot of extension of the running game type passes. You have to just be a consistent deliverer of the ball. And Fafita is that much more than Delora.
2: And, and see, it's... I uh, kind of respect Jed Fish for this because coaches are notorious for going after the shiny object. Delora gives you that bigger play mm-hmm. capability... Compared to Fafita, who's just more that that steady turtle, that yeah. tortoise that just keeps executing. Every once in a while, Delora will do something. And you'll just go, "Damn, that was incredible!" Right? Yeah. Coaches are always are always drawn to that, and he's resisted. Um, but let's just look at the last four games of these two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, in UCLA's last four games, it's three and one. Uh, beat Washington State. Yep. In the Rose Bowl, twenty-five to seventeen. That was a that was a a good win, but not a really decisive win. It was. Uh, it left you a little. Uh, y- you didn't feel like there was a lot left on the field. Let's put it that. And
1: way. And Washington State has, and I don't want to take anything away from that win because I think Washington State was a different team at that point, but. UCLA either gave the book on how to beat Washington State or they have collapsed since, but they've lost now four straight and increasingly they're blowouts.
2: Right. Uh, okay, so maybe that's not even a comparable game. Let's just say it's it's, yeah. it's not. But in, in the entirety, so UCLA beat Washington State, lost to Oregon State at Oregon State, uh, pretty much trounced Stanford and Colorado. You would Mm -hmm. say, even though the score might not indicate against Colorado. Like you said, on the other hand, Arizona has played four ranked teams in a row. Yeah. That two and two against UCLA's three and one, just in its entirety, is a little bit more impressive, especially when it beat Oregon State. Um, Yeah. If I'm getting specific. And as you said, should have beaten USC. So you could make the case that Arizona is playing better than UCLA in the last four games.
1: I would, I would, I would say that. Um, I think no, I, I don't think that's UCLA necessarily playing horribly. I don't think UCLA's played horribly this year. That defense is elite. Um, has not
2: played horribly. The defense, like I said, has, has kept him in every game and gives them a the chance to win every game.
1: But Arizona is, I think, playing at a slightly higher level. Um, and the, the, the quality of competition is very different over their last four games than UCLA's. Uh, they have two common opponents, but then they're replacing Washington and USC for Stanford and Colorado. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a very different situation. I mean, I think if you put at Washington in place of at Stanford, that's another loss for UCLA. Uh, if you put USC at home instead of Colorado, that's you know at at minimum a very competitive game. So yeah, I mean and your the, point your point is correct.
2: And then two other elements of this, uh it's in Tucson. It's not coincidental that UCLA's two losses have come on the road. I don't think. No. Um and I, I, we've made a lot of this but it, just because we made a lot of this a lot of it doesn't mean it's not true. Arizona had UCLA's number in that game last year. Yep. Um so those two elements are you know, this is really interesting to me too, because right now I think the line is UCLA minus three.
1: Yeah, as of yesterday it was. I've looked at it today.
2: Um that's interesting. It it seems like uh there's some elements of this game that Vegas isn't necessarily taking into consideration. It's now UCLA two and a half. Okay. Yeah, I I would have thought Arizona would be favored in this game. So the, the not only... not going by Vegas because I know what Vegas does, right? But just what we just reviewed, right? What we just said, I would have had Arizona as the favorite.
1: Well, I would have too, which should uh, allow everyone to make their picks for UCLA now, um, because I mm-hmm. am again one and six against the spread. On UCLA this year. People
2: were grateful for your call.
1: I know, they were. But, like, the thing is, that is a true and honestly felt uh, opinion. I do think Arizona will win the game. So, you again, out there, you should be happy with that, uh, because UCLA will now, of course, win. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think right now, uh, Arizona just beat Oregon State at home. And I think they, you know, I mean, it was an even game, but they pretty much controlled it. Um, You know, they were down... uh, 17-13 at one point, but plenty of time left. Uh, They beat, uh, or they they played very competitively with Washington at home, and Washington's, I think, a significantly better team than UCLA this year. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Tucson, I I think there's some soft factors that, like, Vegas and I think the the analytics systems, you know, they're not counting the effect of playing in Tucson at 7.30 p.m. Like, I, I can't, Maybe it's happened, uh, but I can't, I can't remember the last time a good Arizona team, uh, didn't beat UCLA at night in Tucson. Um, like I just, that doesn't seem like, that doesn't seem like a thing that has ever happened. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of soft reasons why this is a tough game for UCLA. And I think there's some hard reasons, you know, I think this is a very good offense. I do think it's pretty balanced. They do like to pass it more than they run it, but they do both effectively, um, so it's not super one-dimensional, um, and uh, and their offensive line is pretty darn good. Yeah, it's helped by the fact that they do a lot of short passing, but these guys are pretty good. Like, they've got some big size on their offensive line, uh, and their tackles are both pretty good pass protectors. I think if, you know, if the coverage can hold up for a little bit so that Fafita has to, you know, get to a second or third read... Maybe you're getting some pressure on him, but he often doesn't have to do that. He's got, um, I mean, McMillan I'd put up against pretty much any receiver in the league this year, um, and Jacob Cowling isn't far off that as a kind of slot possession guy, and their tight end, McLaughlin's pretty good. Um, I mean, Colorado's best receiver from that terrible offense last year, but still a pretty good receiver, Montana Limonius Craig, is their fourth option. Um, there, there's some real talent in this receiver room. There's real talent at running back. It's good offensive line. Noah Fafita delivers the ball well. It's going to be hard for this defense to contend with, and I think it's why I'm—that's why I'm thinking it's going to be kind of similar to Oregon State in terms of the offensive performance against UCLA. They—they're—they've um, they're, they're, got the ability to be balanced. They've got the ability to run the ball. If you watch them against Oregon State, their overall rushing numbers aren't that impressive. I think they finished with under 100 yards. But they iced that game with the running game. DJ Williams, their third string running back, came in and ran. I think he rattled off 40 yards on like five successive runs, Um, just drained the clock, drove the ball, and then they scored the go-ahead touchdown or the the icing touchdown to make it 27-17. So they've got the ability to do both. I think it's going to be a really tough challenge. Now, on the flip side, their defense is nowhere near as good as Oregon State's was. I think UCLA is going to have an easier time scoring than they did against Oregon state. I think it'll be a closer game than that. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I do think it's, it's advantage Arizona for me,
2: you know, to what I, what I liked, you know, we've seen Jed fish's offense, you know, pretty upfront and personal. And what I like about his offense. And I remember hearing this when he was at UCLA's UCLA's offensive coordinator, I heard it from inside the program why the players liked it is they felt it was geared, it was a good college offense. It has pro qualities to it, but it's, like you said, it's based on a short passing game. Why is that key for <laughs> for college? Uh, you need to get the ball out quickly because these are uh, amateur uh, offensive linemen who a lot of times just aren't great at pass protection. Uh, the the help uh, blocking that you get from running backs is generally most of the time not good. Yep. You got to get the butt bo- and to make it easy on your quarterback, uh, who's usually a nineteen-year-old kid who is getting who is underwater doing this. So it's geared for college players. If you notice too, whenever he has a um, a deeper a deeper drop and looks further down the field, it's on. A lot of times it's on a down and distance that you wouldn't necessarily, uh, it doesn't need to be, it's not third and long, put yeah. it that way. Um, it's an unpredictable down and distance when he's doing it. A lot of times it's off play action. It, it's geared, it's it's to make college level players succeed. Um, that's what I've always liked about it. I heard that from inside the UCLA program. Uh, when he was the offense coordinator and you're seeing it uh, you know in practice with with Arizona Uh, so yeah it's a it's it's a tough it's a tough offense it's going to be a big challenge for UCLA's defense Uh, I mean would you say would you say possibly UCLA's defense's biggest challenge so far this year knowing what we now know about all the other teams
1: i mean it's up there with oregon state so far yeah oregon state was was um especially the way they played in that game uh dju played one of his best games i think that's pretty comparable um and and it's for me it's because they have the ability to do both pretty well um like ucla if they commit too much to trying to stop that short passing, right? If they commit too much of uh, their, you know, commit linebackers, commit nickels to coverage, um, and they free up the box, I don't think Arizona's going to be shy about running it. Um, they've got, if you looked at the stats on their offensive line, it's a massive group. Massive. I, I think they're averaging like 320 pounds. Um, they are really, really efficient running the ball when they decide to do it. Um, their opportunity rate... Which is the rate at which they get four yards on runnings uh, on running downs is fifty six percent. That's insane. That's top ten, um, and that's a credit to the offensive line. Like the first four yards uh, for a running back are generally credited to an offensive line. So um, if 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 UCLA gives them um, short boxes, uh, they're gonna take it. And it's, they're not a huge running percentage team. They like to throw it a little bit more than, than run it. But if, if UCLA gives it to them and if they overcommit to the passing game, they will take it. Um, and they've got a stable of really good running backs, especially with Michael Wiley back. So, yeah, I mean, it's not um, – it's going to be a challenge. I think Danton Lynn's got another challenge in front of him. And I do think he's, um, he's very, very good. I don't think Arizona's going to do what they did to whatever Washington State or – um, USC, but scoring in the high 20s seems very likely.
2: Yeah, to me this is an, another test for Danton Lynn uh, He's been very good so far this year of going up against offenses that aren't balanced, right? Yeah. Washington State didn't really have to worry about that that running game, so he really adapted his offense to take away Washington State's just disrupt their passing game without really thinking twice about their running game. Yep. The one team that was balanced was Oregon State, and you'd say that was easily the most vulnerable game that UCLA's defense has played.
1: Yeah, and they still played a pretty good game relative to what Oregon State's doing to teams this year. Yeah, but it wasn't. It, it was not dominant. Let's say that.
2: Yep. So that's a great. That's really a, a fun matchup to watch. It, yeah, it it's Really, uh, I mean, Fish versus Lynn. That's really really fun. Yeah. Um, on the other side of the ball and and it's kind of one of the themes of the article that I wrote that's going to come out later uh, it's, it's all about I think this game is going to be all about Chip Kelly uh, not just Chip Kelly the head coach but Chip Kelly the offensive coordinator uh, the game plan and the play calling he devises for this game I think will decide it Um, the one thing I'm afraid of is he's had a habit of getting a little bit too cutesy um, this year. And given that he's going against his uh, Johnny Nansen, his former defensive line coach, who is now the defensive coordinator at Arizona. And he's got, he's got some other guys on that. He's got a, uh, a couple of other staff members on Arizona that were part of his staff who know his offense very well. Uh, I think I'm afraid, I hope he doesn't go cutesy with his his game plan to try to get around that um, because, as you said, Arizona's defense is not great. I, I know you gave it an even between UCLA's offense and Arizona's defense. I think UCLA's offense, if it just played to its strengths, would have the advantage. That's a big if. Um, but if they did, which is running the ball and running the ball to Arizona's weaknesses, I think UCLA's offense has an advantage. So, getting back to what I was saying, this is all on, I think so much of this game is on, obviously, the determination of a game is based on so many different factors. But dang, if you, I don't know if I remember, if it's too often where you remember where you can remember a game that the outcome of the game is going to be placed so much squarely on the head coach, namely because he's the offensive coordinator and how he devises a game plan given what we saw last year against Arizona. Um, This is a lot of this is all on Chip Kelly. I think on Saturday.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, um, they're going to have to keep up in a way that they haven't had to this year, um, or at least outside of the Oregon State game. And that turned out to be a failure. Um, they, they're going to have to keep up with an offense that is more than likely going to actually score. Um, and that's going to depend on, I mean, Arizona also, uh, one thing to kind of, that Chip should be thinking about is that Oregon State game, Oregon State was working on its sixth drive of the game entering the fourth quarter. Arizona had only had five. There's a, there's a really good chance this is a game of keep away to a large extent. And the scoring might be a little bit depressed, but it's going to accentuate the need to have successful, successful drives. Um, Arizona doesn't go three and out a lot. They're going to have highly efficient, not super explosive drives because they do that short passing thing. When you get the ball, there can't be any futzing about. Like You have to score pretty much every time because you're not going to get it a ton like I think expecting I don't know 13 or 14 drives in this game would be a big big mistake um you know maybe count on eight to ten and in those eight to ten you're gonna have to score at a pretty good clip I think they're gonna have to average you know I think to feel comfortable at winning you're gonna have to average about three points a drive which they haven't done this year like they haven't that's they're way under that um so, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, that's going to require some good play calling. It's going to require playing to strengths. I think for all that Arizona's relative strength is its run defense, it's very relative and they're not very good. Um, UCLA should run the ball, um, you know, build the passing game off of running the ball. I think putting it in Garber's hands, I, I mentioned this up top, he has not played a lot of snaps. And going into what will be a pretty hostile Tucson environment at night on the road, um, putting a whole ton on him to start that game, I don't think is a super viable option. Uh, I think you've got to run on run run as much as you can on this Arizona defense and then build some, you know, some intermediate passing based on that Arizona safeties aren't good. Uh, They keep playing this Gunnar Maldonado guy and he is he's really bad. Um, Build some options for play action and hit your tight ends over the seam. Like there's, there's ways to attack it, but I, I think it's again, run game first Um, and build off of that because UCLA's run game, look, it's not Zach Charbonnet, but it's, it's quality. Um, You know, they, they do pretty much everything in the run game fairly well. You know, they're decently explosive. They're decently efficient. They don't get stuffed a lot. They've got a pretty good uh, run rate on power downs. Like, they do all the stuff that you would expect from a, a an offense that has a lot of big running backs, including Carson Steele at, like, 230 pounds. They do all that stuff pretty well. Um, so, use that. Um, lean on that. Control the ball and make sure you're scoring. Uh, you know, this is a game where take your field goals, um, but you've also got to make sure that when you're getting into the red zone, you are really prioritizing touchdowns because you're not going to see the ball a lot.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got to ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: That's key, too. Scoring in the red zone, which UCLA has not been no. very good at. But here's why. This is what makes me a little scared. Chip Kelly has come out throwing the ball. In a lot of games this season. Yes. Defying what w- most people thought was was how you sh- should attack uh, whatever defense they were facing that week. Um, UCLA's, uh, sorry, Arizona's pass defense is not good. I think he's going to see this. And, and if there's a slight strength, it would be Arizona's rush defense. Right. Yep. I think he's going to perceive that that's going to play right into his penchant for coming out and throwing. So doing the opposite of what you just said. Yep. Which, well, and
1: that's, and that's the concern.
2: That's the concern.
1: Putting a lot on Ethan Gar like they can't afford, you just can't afford to turn the ball over um, more than, so I don't know, that's once or twice.
2: And that's what, that's what really drives me nuts is when on the forum, people say, well, it's, you got to blame some of the players. They're throwing the interceptions. I mean, a bit, yeah, but no.
1: <laughs> well, you got to know what you have.
2: You have to know what you have. You have to call a game that plays to your, your players' strengths. And if you are just really making it challenging for them, you are making it likely they are going to throw interceptions. So. Yeah.
1: Well, and they're they're trying. I mean, the the thing is with that theory of the case, you're making. I mean, you're making it seem like this is just a roster that's like completely broken in like fundamental ways. And first, that's not true. Um, like, look, Ethan Garbers um, is you know he was not my ideal pick for a starting quarterback this year, but I mean he's a former four star who has played competent football when he's been asked to come in in previous years. Dante Moore was a five-star. Um, and, yeah, did he struggle in three games? Sure. But also, there's a lot of five-star quarterbacks that come in and play a little bit better than he did. Um, and, you know, is that is that on him? Is that on play calling? Is it on – Having an offensive line
2: that can provide protection?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's just – I mean, there's – I don't know. Uh, that's getting into a, a, a much larger uh, thing. but
2: Going down a rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, very big rabbit hole. But, um, I mean, the main point is this is a game that I think can swing either way. Um, I think it does require a very well-coached game from Chip Kelly if UCLA is going to win, barring, you know, weird catastrophe things for Arizona. Um, and it's a huge opportunity. You know, this is, again, an opportunity for UCLA to... Uh, first, a, a win here, I would say, not quite, but more or less guarantees 9-3. and three. Um at minimum, because USC is, I mean, look, I think ASU's played a lot better football of late, but UCLA losing to them at home would require um, a a, a catastrophe of epic proportions. Losing to Cal would require a pretty big catastrophe. Losing to USC could happen. I mean, I I know we've all had a lot of fun with USC struggling the last few weeks, but it could happen. Uh, But beating Arizona, that puts nine and three right in the crosshairs. Um, And so, this is a big game for that. This is a big game for getting to something that I think every, you know, I won't say, wait, I won't say every, but uh, a lot of UCLA fans will be like, oh, "Okay, 9 and 3. That makes sense." Um which was I think everyone eyeballing the schedule was looking at as, yeah, that's that's the likely scenario. So, uh it's a big opportunity for Chip Kelly, but also, uh, you know, they lose this one, then 8 and 4 looks pretty likely. Um, and that's where I think things get weird for the temperature of the fan base and all that kind of stuff.
2: See, that's the thing too. I, I think the temperature is already weird right now.
1: Oh, it's look. When I when, mean, when look I'm at our to litigate. Yeah, why I gave the running backs a D on a, a, a in a in a game where they fumbled twice in the red zone and ran for under five yards of carry. You know the fan base is weird. You know, you know yeah. the temperature is getting weird.
2: It's six. It, I, I mean, I've said this before, and I know everyone's tired of it, but we're six years in. Everyone's just a little. Um, I mean, for lack of a better way of putting it, everyone's just a little tired. Um, we've been with this Arizona game. We've been in this situation before. Yeah it's it's you wouldn't call it a you can't call it a corner turner we're sick we're we're six years in corner turner means yeah most time my impression you're building a program and then within the first couple of years there's something that you you win a game and it takes you to this next level that's that can't be this six years in unless you know we're on a 28-year plan (laughs) um it just, it feels more like where we want to get after, where you think we should be is it makes this the win that has, that is required to be there is where everyone feels we should be after six years. If it's a loss, we're standing on the same ground where we are now. And it just, it's just not satisfying right after yeah. six years. If if this were a loss in the first couple of years, you'd go, "Uh, eh, he's just starting with the program." Y- you know, you can't call 6 years, 6 years in as just getting just starting the program, building the program. You, in today's college sports, you have to build a, f- a program faster than 6 years. And and it's and it's just you'll lose you'll lose the fan base if you don't. Um Unless, of course, in year seven, they're going to the college football playoffs and then that kind of erases a lot of the bad feelings from the year, years before. But realistically, you know, that's probably not going to happen. So we're, we're talking realistically what needs to happen right now. And I think it's just kind of expected. I hate to use that word because people jump all over that word. But you, we just don't want to be on the ground where we are right now. It just it just doesn't it feels old like we've been here too long
1: yeah and I'm not to bring up a time on statistic that certainly doesn't nobody finds controversial but uh tracking things right now ucla has one win this year over a team that is likely to finish with a winning record i mean not to not to bring up that little uh that that little bit of info that people seem to hate but like beat a good team um you know, like uh, beat Arizona on the road uh, and then go ahead and beat USC on the road. And I think that, you know, you get to 10 and two. Um, I think, I think that's enough that it's like, okay, uh, you can talk yourself into that being um, uh, on track to something greater in the following year. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's kind of the, the just the same old, same old. Um And uh, I think, you know, again, just looking at kind of the temperature of the fan base and, you know, what we what we track with our with our live experiment we call Bruin Report Online, uh, the premium football message board. Uh, I think people are just kind of I won't say bored, but um, uh, maybe that is the word.
2: Well, I think what it is, too, Chip Kelly has a different approach. He's all about I just coached the games. Yeah. And because he says that uh, we, we saw we saw a prime example uh last weekend of when you get a high profile coach who, who just not a high profile because he's won a bunch of games but just in the media uh in pop culture he's become a thing um and he promotes his team he promotes himself he promotes his players his program UCLA got a again air quotes a sell um, it generated easily the most interest in a game, a UCLA game this season. Yeah. Compared to the, on the other side, you, you've got a coach who, who took away, you know, the player walk up before the game. Yep. Um, I had heard, uh, he, um, you know, he's resisted alternate uniforms and the throwback uniforms, uh, It wasn't something necessarily that he was completely positive about. I mean, this all contributes to promoting your program. So if you're not that coach, I get it. But you better rack up some 10-win seasons because that's the only thing. You're you're not doing the other things that, that generate interest. What would generate interest are clearly successful winning seasons.
1: You got to accumulate juice, whichever way you're going to do it, but you got to accumulate juice. And he has not accumulated juice. It's just been.
2: You know, this, this game this weekend is required to accumulate that juice.
1: Needs a little bit of juice, and I, look, the thing is, it's Arizona. I mean, it's Arizona on the road, but it's Unranked Arizona team. Arizona, it's, we're it, talking it's about. Like, That's we're, where we're, our expectations are. We're dropping now. standards pretty hard, standards, but not this expectations standards. Yeah, yeah, this would be this would be a nice win, but it's Arizona on the road, man. I mean, it, yeah, they should they should you know they should be able to beat Arizona on the road. Um So, yeah, I mean, they, they've. I think if they get to ten and two, they've got some juice. I think at nine and three, I think people are going to be in the same position entering next year, where it's just like, okay, going to show me anything. Yep. Um, so okay, Dave. let's talk about something else. Tracy, can we talk about something else?
2: What else should we talk about? Is there anything else that would be
1: <sighs> the beautiful, beautiful UCLA basketball team,
2: <laughs>
1: my, my beautiful, precious angel, the UCLA men's basketball program. Uh, breaking in an entirely new roster. I gave birth yesterday. Tracy's giving birth later this morning, um, to our combined season preview. Tracy does the fun part predicting, um, which is also a work of absolute toil and drudgery. Uh, I do the, um, you know, the part nobody reads, which is the uh, breakdown of the team. But I think my big takeaway is it's going to be an extremely fun, But also extremely frustrating first couple of months of the season, there's going to be a lot of problem solving at play um, where UCLA tries to figure out um, what kind of team it is, what what kind of team it wants to be, what kind of structures it wants to use. All that stuff is going to require live play against other teams intending to stop it. Um, And so they have their ideas. I'm certain about, you know, they're thinking two posts, maybe three posts in certain situations where they've got Burke at the three. Um, But all that stuff uh, gets thrown out the window once you get hit in the mouth by, you know, some real team. So it's going to be a really interesting first couple uh, months of the season. We watched the exhibition uh, Halloween night. I watched it a little bit later because of, uh, you know, trick-or-treating obligations.
2: Where are your priorities? My God.
1: I know. Um, But, I mean, obvious obvious takeaway is Sebastian Mack looked really fun really really fun and um you know maybe allays a little bit of concerns about guard play who's gonna take shots all that kind of stuff um but you know there's some there's some unknowns just at the beginning of the season you know Dylan Andrews little injury at the end of practice um in the last couple of weeks so uh you know when is he gonna be fully fully back uh, a dembona didn't play in the exhibition. Um, we've heard he's going to be available for the opener, but does it take him a while to work back into, uh, game readiness, whatever you want to call it, a Daimara and, uh, Tunjil, uh, are they going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, uh ready and available for the first game? Is it going to take a couple of games? This is the stuff that is still left to be sussed out, um, in just pure personnel, but looking at the way the team is going to work, I mean, I was going through, I could have written another 3,000 words about the different possibilities, because they could go a three-out-two-in. They could go with um, uh, two posts, um, working in, like, kind of traditional post ways, where they've got, uh, you know, start the game with a Dem and Barque, uh, and then bring in a die for a Dem, or then play a Dem and I die next to each other. Um There's just a lot of different ways they could work or they could find that four out, one in with Barke playing kind of more typical what Jaime Jaquez did last year works better. It's going to be really, really interesting to find out.
2: Yes. Um, I could talk endlessly about this team. Um, My biggest takeaway from that exhibition game was if um, the, the way to really judge whether the team played well is to read Mick Cronin's mood <laughs> in the post game interview. There have been games where I thought they, they played pretty decently and and you can just tell he's pissed. Yeah. Um. Uh, so they went into this game without probably their four best players. Yep. Uh, Cal State Dominguez Hills was not good, but eh, old guys transfers been around the block. Uh, some of those guys look eight years older than some of UCLA's players. Um, Reading Cronin in the post game, he was happy. That's that's happy McCronin.
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, whenever he, he's got his back up against the wall a little bit in terms of like personnel available, when it turns out okay, I think he's generally pretty pleased.
2: Well, well, I, I brought up the defense too. I, I and I said, yeah, it seemed like they they kind of got their sea legs in the second half and started. and And he pretty much said, well, they were pretty good in the first half. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which he's never done. If you ever say something, he usually goes like worst on you.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, the caveat is usually no. They were they were they were no. They were good in that way, but they were dog shit in this way. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Um. So yeah. Uh. That first that that's a good thing because I'll tell you if we're talking about um a, a person's opinion I trust about how a team plays, it would be McCronin uh why well, again caveat can't take a lot from from Dominguez Hills but it's pretty it's something that even in any exhibition game you can blow out a team by 40 points without your four best players yeah um there was a good foundation and basis of talent there to then plug in your four best players uh so i came away pretty satisfied uh with Sebastian Mack but also with the defense they didn't seem as confused or lazy or uh, there were very few times it it was funny you know you knew Cronin was going to yank some people for effort or making a stupid mistake you thought it would be just uh, a show of guys coming in for 15 seconds and out 20 seconds out there wasn't that much of that no. And he he yanked Ken Wuba a couple of times. The most experienced guy on the roster. I guess yeah. maybe because his expectation is higher for him. Um he I I was pretty um okay with the defensive performance, even though that might be a little bit different of a defensive performance than you might see because they, they switched on almost everyone. Uh Sebastian Mack stayed with that opposing point guard a lot, but they switch because I mean, they're all like what six, three to six, to eight. Most of the team. Yeah. They, they will not be able to do that with a Daimari. He's even though I've heard he's better at it than you might think because of his length. Um, And while he, he might look a little awkward when he's moving, he actually covers ground because he is seven, three, you will be able to switch with the Dembona and barricade to a degree. Too so, you know. I take it back. Maybe we will see uh, when it's man. We'll see some switching. Um, he also alluded again to his own to his own defense. That's going to be very interesting because as I think I've, it's
1: going to be the Ben Howland. Uh, yeah. We occasionally we, we, we see it, might, it comes we, out we, as a changeup. We might need to do a zone, and then never, ever, ever, yeah. ever, yeah. ever,
2: yeah. ever. ever. We've seen Cronin's a little bit more flexible than a ben little Allen bit more. Was. But
1: I think I think when you've got a young team, you've got to kind of pick. You know, like you got to kind of pick what's the thing you're going to teach them. Maybe by the end of the season, they're working in like some situational zone. It's just hard to imagine they're going to waste practice time on something that he doesn't intend to do. Um primarily or even like at a huge secondary level. And I, that's the part I just can't see. Once you
2: like, get these guys in a game in man and they struggle, then we might see it.
1: I think you're more likely to see just a lot of drop coverage, like just a lot of a just You're going to pick up whoever is closest to the basket once we get to that round of the switch or whatever. Because um, like you said, a Dem's going to be able to do it. okay um, they can hide in kind of a similar way. And I think what you won't see a ton of um. Well, maybe you'll have to, but Barke and uh, and Adai together in the game. I think you're you've got a big drop off in um your ability to play man with those two in there, and that's the part where maybe you see something akin to a zone, or those two guys just kind of you know sticking near the rim around to it. like it, basically. If I was a opposing team, I'd go five out right then and just try to bomb some threes over them. Um, but uh, you, you'll see some. I, I don't know. It'll be like some semi-looking zone stuff. But I think it's still going to be basically man. Um, where it's just the big guy who's slow, uh, hovering back near the basket.
2: And then I think, after the exhibition game, we can we can see the rotation. Yeah. Right. Um, the guys we know who are going to start are Dylan Andrews and Adembona. And I, I mean, I think we can not pencil, but use a pen to put in Stefanovic. Yeah. So those three guys. Uh, the question mark, two question marks, really. The, the we'll leave the biggest one in a minute. Um, the the other one is who's going to start at the shooting guard spot. I think Sebastian Mack kind of made that made that obvious.
1: I, um, maybe they'll do a McClendon in game one just to like, you know, he's the vet or whatever, but. It, oh, Dave. The, no, I, I'm not. I'm not arguing <laughs> I for. It. I know. I was I, just fooling. But um, no, but I could see it because they do you have his
2: face on a pillow. In your I house? do.
1: I do. I actually have a blanket. That's just uh will McClendon. Blanket. Because you want
2: to wrap yourself up in. Will. McClendon. Well, it's just
1: a security blanket. Yeah. Um, no, I, I it's got to be Mac. Um you know, watching him in a game. Was <laughs> and yeah, it's a it's an exhibition against an overmatched opponent and all that yada yada yada. But just the passing ability,
2: I was not expecting that. I wasn't uh, either. And I've seen him play 20 times.
1: Yeah. And if you can get that, especially with Dylan Andrews still, I think still coming along, right? With, with um, floor generalship and all that kind of stuff. Having another guy at the two who can make some good passes, who can um, distribute the ball a little bit while also being obviously a score first player. I think that's going to be enticing.
2: Um, he'll turn the ball over. And yes. that's when he'll go. That's when Mick will go. Okay. Will I need McClendon.
1: I made this point in, in the preview, but I need to make it tell the people who don't read 3,500 words. This team is going to turn the ball over a ton. Like, I don't think go back to the, the first year for Cronin. They turned the ball over. They were 224th in the nation in turnover rate. It's not going to be that bad. But this is going to be in the hundreds. What you got used to over the last couple years of them being, you know, uh, what were they? Last year, they were 15th nationally. The year before, they were fourth. The year before that, they were 25th. Those guys were all trained Cronin players. This is not going to be that. Um, And so just keep that in mind that, like, they're going to turn the ball over a lot. And they're going to have to make up for it in other ways. One of the ways is offensive rebounding. They're going to be a better offensive rebounding probably team than he's had. Uh, maybe since year one. Year one, they were pretty good.
2: So then you've got those four starters. So now we're trying to determine who's the other starter. Is it Berke or is it Adai? Berke. Um, interesting. I think what determines it mostly is, is not... He he doesn't want to go two posts because I, from what I've heard, we are going to see a Dembona and a, a Daimara on the court a, a, a lot, a lot more than Mara. you that you okay that you <laughs> then you might anticipate. But uh, Mara's biggest challenge is just going to be <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be his. Uh, his stamina, his ability to stay on. I mean, I, I would be stunned if he played more than 25 minutes a game.
1: The fouls are going to take care of that. And
2: the fouls. So stamina and fouls are, are going to limit. So that's going to be managed. Um, and uh, just psychologically, too, when you start with Bona and, and Berke, and and then you bring in the 7-3 guy that, you, you know, no one on your team can guard in the post that's just demoralizing as all hell um yeah. so I think Berkey becomes is the starter could be could be surprised but then we're looking for eight guys total really I mean you'd love to have 10 but when it comes down to it college basketball just doesn't have that many minutes for 10 guys to make a significant impact really um so then you would have a Daimara he's the sixth guy um I think it was pretty clear that Jan Vide and Alon Fibloy are going to be solid bench players. Um, you're at eight right there without... I think Ken Nwuba is going gonna, is gonna to get a little bit of action too. You know, he played 14 minutes a game. He might not get that much this year, but he's still a, a strong enough option to be able to uh, use. Uh, you're... That's a pretty good bench. I'm yep. feeling pretty good because Alon Fibloy will be able to come in and defend against... Uh, the one thing defensively you might be a little vulnerable to, Stefanovic is 6'6", 6'7", uh, Sebastian Mac six 6'3". There's, there are going to be those guys who are 6'5", 6'6", who are really athletic. Too big for Mac, too athletic for Stefanovich. Boom. There's Vabloy coming in and providing his, his defense for that guy. So that's a really good personnel matchup you have there. Um, I like it. I like that top eight to nine. Um, that's, uh, that's leaving out a couple other guys. I mean, Devin Williams, I still don't anticipate he's going to play a lot, but he was impressive. A lot of potential. Um, I've seen him play a lot, a lot in high school. Uh, so this guy I know a friend of mine who knows basketball pretty well who I've talked all about uh, all these guys to he called me up after the game and he said so you never told me Devin Williams could do that and I said I've never seen him do that I've never seen him take a baseline 14 uh, footer and yeah. and just bury it like that um, he's taken he was mostly like you know a, a dunker on alley oops or he'd spot up and hit threes. So he's come a long way. Uh, that's that's pretty. It's pretty interesting. And then you'll have Will McClendon. I think will be part of that. What number? Let's not count Devin Williams. But we're up to about we're up to nine to ten. Um, I don't think Brandon Williams will play that much. I like you'll be able to use McClendon when <laughs> when um, there are just too many turnovers and you need someone to settle it down and stop committing turnovers. Um, I like it. I like the way that's a that's a um roster that was put together with with some kind of vision, right? The the way the pieces fit together. Um so that's that's pretty exciting if we're talking about who's going to actually be eligible or able to play injury-wise. Like I said, I think Bona and Andrews um and I in the story that will come out today I think they're going to play. Uh, maybe limited minutes, uh, you know, especially if they're blowing out St. Francis, just to uh, give their bodies, you know, more time to to recover. Um, there's Lafayette. There's Long Island. Uh, hopefully, what you would want is Berke and Adaimara to be on the court and playing for at least one of those games before they face Marquette. In the Maui Classic on November twentieth, yeah, I, I and I'm going to say this: I don't know if they'll if they'll be eligible by then, and I can safely say the program doesn't know. The, they're they're at the mercy of the NCA. The NCA does Quite these great things. position to be in, yeah, and the NCA does this. I, I think they pretty much say, oh. Season doesn't start until November sixth. We have then we have until then to decide. Um, from what I've heard, Berke is pretty clear cut. He's he's should absolutely one hundred percent be eligible from from the outset. I would anticipate he'll be given his eligibility. A die is more complicated. It's probably more it's similar more to a Dembona we heard all about um uh, Zaragoza and what they've been trying to do to a die. I it's reasonable to think that he might sit out one game, kind of like Adem did last year. Um, but you would love to have him back. Let's just say for Lafayette or Long Island before they face Marquette. Um, in my preview, uh, it, it it's pretty much what you would expect: struggling at the beginning of the year, then. Kind of putting it together by the end of the year, um, and maybe still dropping a couple of games at the end of the year because you know advancement progress is never a straight line. Uh, but I'll leave it I'll leave it a mystery on where I say they end up um, by the end of the season.
1: It, it will it will remain a mystery uh, for at least a few hours if you are listening to this uh, once I put it up. Um, cause we'll probably, we'll, we might close the day with Tracy's little prediction.
2: Uh-huh. I'll tell you though, the PAC 12 is going to be pretty good. Um, uh, no. You, so, no, they're going to so, be better than what we've seen before. You're they're, getting lulled.
1: You're getting lulled into the Stanford theory of the case. And let me tell you, Stanford is going to be ass like they always are.
2: <laughs> so when it came to, okay, I won't bring it up. With the football season, I brought up a few teams and you said they'd be ass. Yep. And those teams aren't. So
1: Arizona State is ass.
2: Arizona State's good enough to beat UCLA.
1: They're ass with a pulse. Arizona, um, I got
2: so much flack for saying Arizona was going to be good. Who said that? Who gave you flack? We'll oh, you fuck. I got it right and left on the forum going, oh, Tracy, Arizona sucks at the beginning of the season.
1: Oh, well, they're the haters. But, um, but, but Arizona Here's State and thing. Cal are ass.
2: The Pac-12's got some bigs. And why I think it will be competitive is UCLA's advantage this year is going to be its front court. There's some guys in this league that will be able to match up from team to team. Um, the, the one thing that's kind of fun I don't know if Arizona will be able to match up in his front court. It, there's, they don't have that. That what was that guy's name? Oh, Tubelis. That dude. He's gone finally.
1: Yeah. Um, which NBA th- team is he on?
2: <laughs> Should we talk about Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, let's right. all throw back you, our heads and paying, laugh. You're paying Chrisa. <laughs> you're paying him, which is a mistake. Strike one. Um, to help you lose games. Strike two. And and now he's gonna get, what was he? Um, he has he's, to sit get, out ten he's He's
1: got to sit out nine games, I think. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, the, the thing is, like, I, not to. This isn't an Arizona podcast, but man, like, I like to watch uh, good basketball teams play their best basketball. Like, I, I I don't like. I'm I'm not that partisan about it. Like, if Arizona is gonna be good, be good, you know. But sitting out there watching krisa play basketball and play like 35 minutes a game on that like two straight years of just like this beautiful collection of talent. And then you've just got this pure chucker out there eating up possessions constantly. Like I took a little bit of like schadenfreude like uh joy in it, but also how are you not pulling your hair out? If you're an Arizona fan watching that, yeah, like, it's, that it, it, it is thing, absolutely insane right. that Tommy Lloyd did that for. Two and it's straight
2: absolutely years. insane that all Arizona fans loved him they stopped at the end
1: like okay, they well. i think they were finally finally off that train but it's just i mean you've got Boswell back there and i i think yeah care literally doubled him in minutes and it's like you've got a guy who's a player who could do with some minutes to develop for when he's going to be needed and you're just letting that chucker just go out there and turn the ball over and just like set a world record for threes taken in a season, like no, it's just, what are you doing?
2: Let me ask you this about the Pac-12. If it got five teams into the NCAA tournament, would you say then that was a good Pac-12? Yeah. Uh,
1: to your point, I think the Pac-12 is going to be better this year. Like, UCLA, I think UCLA,
2: Arizona, Colorado is yeah. going to be good.
1: I think Colorado is the one that everyone's sleeping on. I way. do
2: too. Top three team in yep. in the league. USC is is an NCAA tournament team. Oregon is an NCAA tournament team. That's five, right yeah. there, and I I think there's going to be one team among Stanford, Utah, and I'd hate to say outside chance of Washington, but one of those teams is getting it. That's six. I think there's a good chance the Pac-12 gets six teams in in the tournament, and I'm really solid on five.
1: Yeah,
2: no, that's I think a, is- that's a good year. I'm not talking when I say the Pac-12 is going to be good. I'm not talking the lower end. I'm talking about, for the first time in a long time, the top five or six are going to be tough.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, yeah, Tristan De Silva for Colorado is my pick for player of the year.
2: I agree. I completely agree.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our uh, impromptu Pac-12 basketball preview, along with our UCLA basketball preview, along with our long discussion of Arizona that more than likely will make people upset. Um, That's what we do. I think we've done a great job today, Tracy.
2: I'm so proud of myself. I'm going to take the rest of the day.
1: You should. Thanks. All right. For Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time.
2: See y'all.